Welcome to the Center for Christian Spirituality podcast. What follows is an audio recording of the weekly contemplative worship service at Chapelwood United Methodist Church in Houston, Texas. For the next 40 minutes, you are invited to engage and rest with scripture, music, prayer, silence, and brief meditations. Our hope is that you will allow wherever you are right now to be a sacred space for you, perhaps by resting in a favorite chair or lighting a candle, by gazing out a window or relaxing outside. A guide for this contemplative worship experience, including prayers, scriptures, and song lyrics, is available in PDF format at www.chapelwood.org. You can visit that same website to learn more about the Center for Christian Spirituality. The Center provides resources for people who seek a deepening relationship with God in a way that transforms their relationship with God, others, self, and the world. We are grateful you're sharing the journey with us today.
ascend out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy hill, to the home of integrity. Then I will come to you, heart of my heart, to the beloved, my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with song, O my beloved, my comforter. Why are you so cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? My hope is in the beloved, my strength and my joy. O my soul, open the door to love. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go. For he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. Well, for most of us, the conversion story of Saul of Tarsus from being a Jewish zealot who persecuted the church to being a Christian believer and a defender of the faith is very well known. In the verses immediately prior to those that just were just read from Acts 9, where we first meet Saul, he was present and he looked approvingly on the stoning death of the disciple Stephen. And Stephen was the first martyr of the Christian church. And then Saul, threatening to murder any of Jesus' followers, asked the high priest in Jerusalem for letters of authority to go to Damascus to take captive any men or women that he found who belonged to this new religious movement that was following Jesus as the Messiah. And he wanted to bring them back to Jerusalem for imprisonment or punishment. We all know the story well that on his way to Damascus, he struck blind and uh, he hears a voice 
coming from the heavens, the voice of Jesus saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then he is led by his companions who did not hear the voice, but they saw that their friend Saul is now suddenly blind. They lead him to Damascus. And he is unable to eat or drink at that time. All he's able to do is pray. And there he waits on what God will do next for him and to him and through him in the home of a man named Judas. God speaks uh, in a vision to this disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And he tells him to go lay hands on Saul that he might receive his sight. And as we've heard, Ananias is afraid to go because he's heard of Paul's reputation as a persecutor of the church. And he's afraid that, that he might be killed by Saul or in prison. And yet he goes in faith. And as we know, Saul is healed. Saul is later known in the New Testament as the Apostle Paul. And as we all know, he becomes a central figure in the story of the first century church. And much of what we hold in our hands today as the New Testament are his writings, writings that he wrote to the churches that he started, that he went out and, and founded. Um, as I think about this encounter uh, between Ananias and Saul, as I look at it, I think what a random, unexpected, powerful encounter. Yet I, I reflect back over my own life and as I think about the most powerful spiritual experiences I've ever had, those two were random and powerful and unexpected and not something that I orchestrated or made happen. And I don't know about you, but perhaps as you reflect on your life and the powerful spiritual experiences you've had, you might find them the same way. I remember a time in my life when I was completely out of ministry and I didn't know which way my life was gonna go. And I was walking in Memorial Park, and I suddenly crossed paths with this 6'5 guy pastor named Jim Jackson. And we crossed paths, and I really didn't even know Jim Jackson at that time. But um, he sees me coming, and he looks at me, and he just says, I need to see you in my office. Call my assistant and get on my calendar. I need to see you. Well, two weeks later, I was on the staff of Chapelwood United Methodist Church. <laughs> and that was 25 years ago. That was random. That was unexpected. That was powerful. That changed my life forever. I would not be here today were it not for that encounter. And I remember another random, unexpected encounter when I went to the cynical retreat house, the cynical retreat house that's now been swept away by the floods of Hurricane Harvey. A few years back, it was there, and I went, and I met a man named Jerry Weber. And a couple of months later, we started this service, the contemplative service, and it has continued to this day. I remember being introduced to a small, white-haired nun. Uh, her name was Adeline. And uh, a friend introduced me to her. I didn't have anything to do with it. But she became my spiritual director for over 10 years, and she revealed the most powerful, uh, life-changing uh, things about God to me.
perhaps of any person in my whole life. That was random. I would not have chosen a small 70 to 80 year old Catholic nun to be my spiritual director. But God had different things in mind. So I think about these stories and I think about this encounter between this one Ananias that we never hear anything more about in the Bible. This is the one time we hear of this story is when he was an instrument in God's hands to convert the apostle Saul into the apostle Paul. And I think how different the entire first century church would have been had that encounter not happened. It was random. It was unexpected. But so, so powerful. And as I've thought about these things, I've begun to wonder whether or not in God's economy those random, unexpected, powerful spiritual encounters are not so much the exception, but they're the rule. See you in what I despise. 
invite you to look back over the landscape of your life and just reflect quietly and privately. And I would ask you to consider this question. When did God use an unexpected person in your life to speak life into you? Would you sit with that? So we look at this man, Ananias, so we see someone who chose to be faithful and obedient despite what he perceived as danger, yet he stepped into that situation. I would invite you to consider in your own life who God might be inviting you to speak life into.
So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. I've never experienced a miracle like Saul had in this passage. I think most of us probably haven't. But I have had moments of sudden, unexpected clarity when suddenly I see something clearly that was completely a fog before. I remember when I got a private tutor to help me with a math exam. There was something about the way that she taught differential and integral calculus that all of a sudden it actually made sense. What was confusing before seemed obvious. Unfortunately, I've now forgotten it all, but for that one brief moment, it was like a light appeared. I remember at university when one music professor was talking about music theory and harmonic analysis and all these things that I love that drive other people crazy. And it, he turned that subject from a tedious chore of something that I just had to study to suddenly it was like the most intricate puzzles that I wanted to solve. It was like musical Sudoku all over again and I was just, it was so much fun. Most of the times these moments of unexpected clarity happen because of other people. But occasionally God hits me round the head with a spiritual two by four. The pandemic has changed contemplative worship. Our overall numbers are the same as pre-pandemic, but more people watch online now, partly because pre-pandemic, we didn't have any cameras in here. You wanted to come to contemplative worship and get a good experience, you had to show up. I love that people are able to watch at home. Hi, people watching at home. It's a great way for people to stay connected to what we're doing and to feel safe. And it's expanded the ministry to parts of the country that we would never have connected with otherwise. I have the stream on on my piano and I actually saw that we have some people watching from Budapest this morning. So, hi. But I confess, I miss a little bit from when the chapel was fuller in the old days. And 
I was talking to God about this in a service a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, partly because we just sung a really well-known hymn and I felt like I was singing solo and I missed hearing voices. You have to understand, in the 90s, I attended a lot of charismatic, conservative, contemporary worship conferences and workshops. How to lead worship and help people encourage them in Jesus and all this stuff. Now, I've undone a lot of the lessons that I was taught over the years. But there's one lesson that kind of has, sticks in the back of my mind. And they talked about how worship was participatory. And if someone is listening to a performer rather than singing themselves, they're being entertained rather than worshiping. And then, a few weeks ago, Wick was leading us in prayer in this service. I was not praying out loud. I was just praying silently as Wick spoke. And along came God with the two by four. And God pointed out, even though I wasn't making a noise, I was praying. God pointed out that even though people may not be singing, they're still worshiping. My judgments fell like scales from my eyes and suddenly I felt a little bit foolish in the presence of Almighty God. And I realized God shows up in our judgments of others and asks us to examine ourselves. God shows up in our judgments of other people and asks us to examine ourselves. First, take the plank out of your own eye. So let's ask God to meet us right now.
down what we desire. We seek the truth beyond the As you look back at your own life, where have you experienced a moment of clarity where you could see so clearly what had been so confusing before? Would you sit with that for just a moment? Again, perhaps in your own life, you're looking for a way forward that you cannot quite seem to see. What might that situation be? Would you ask God to open your eyes, to let the scales fall off, that you might see a way forward?
As we prepare our hearts to come to the Lord's table, I would invite you to take a moment in the silence simply to confess, to lay at the Lord's feet anything that you carry on your heart today that feels heavy, that feels like a weight. Would you take just a moment to lay that burden down before you come? Lord, in you we find freedom and fullness of life. And so that we lay at your feet today anything that we sense in our lives that's heavy, that's a burden. We lay it at your feet. We ask you to carry that. Will you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Holy God, as we come to your table, we pray today that you would meet us just as you met Saul on that road to Damascus, that you would meet us in some unexpected way at this table. Lord, surprise us with your presence. And we pray also that as Saul's eyes were opened, that you might open our eyes to your presence with us here, that you would speak into our hearts, that you might give to us the message of life that we so desperately need. And Lord, as we receive this bread and this cup, we pray that they might be for us the life-giving presence of Jesus in our lives. 
that our deepest needs would be met and fulfilled in him. Lord, we don't have anywhere else to go. We come to Jesus and we pray for his life-giving spirit to touch us and our hearts and our lives just as it touched Saul's that day so long ago. So as we come to this table, we remember that on the night in which our Lord gave himself up for us, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. And in the same manner after the supper, he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this, each one of you. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this and as often as you do, remember me. So Lord, we thank you for these precious gifts, for this bread, for this cup. And we pray that as we come to your table today that you would fill us, that you would touch us, that you would transform us, that you would open our eyes to the realities of your kingdom, to the realities of your heart, and that you would pour them out into our hearts and our lives, that as we go into the world, we might be vessels of that life for others that we encounter. Bless us now as we come. In your holy name we pray. Amen. The gifts of God are prepared for you, his children. He invites you to come. Won't you please come?
We thank you for being here today to worship with us at the Center for Christian Spirituality. As you prepare to depart, I'd simply call your attention to the announcements that are in the back of your bulletin. First, the two summer book studies that are coming up. The first, In the Shelter, Finding a Home in the World. And then the second one, Atomic Habits, that Michael has referred to several times. And by the way, Michael and Rachel have been on vacation, as you have guessed, and they will be back with us next week. Um, our custom in our service, oh, and finally, the, the uh, Soul Collage, uh, led by Reverend Cindy Serio. Please note that as well. That'll be a wonderful experience at the Anchor House. And as is our custom in our worship community here, we come with open hearts. We come listening, truly listening, for God's unique and personal word for us. That is our good word. That is our benediction. So I'd invite you, before you depart the chapel today, uh, to simply be still in this place, in this time, and listen to your heart and identify God's benediction, God's good word for you today, how God has spoken to you. And then I would invite you to carry that good news, that good word, out into the world as you depart. Receive that good word and then go in peace. <laughs>